0: slash connect and fill out a very brief form there's a spot to leave contact info ask questions and even to request prayer also be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening may the lord be with you this day grace and peace to you as the kids make their way up to kids church just uh a reminder, I'm so thankful for all the volunteers that we have, uh, helping out with kids church, helping out with preschool, helping out with uh, nursery each week, um, providing for the families that we, we have in our congregation. I'm thankful for them. So uh, just a, a word of thanks to them. Um, today we get to conclude our journey through Jonah. We've been with Jonah for five weeks. Uh, this is the sixth week. and We're going to make it all the way to the end. Just a quick recap. Many of us know the story, but just a quick recap. God says to Jonah, get up. Apparently he was laying down or maybe sitting down. I don't know. Get up and go. Go and preach the word to the city of Nineveh. Uh, you know, we've talked about how Nineveh was uh, part of the Assyrian Empire. Was not part of of the Israelite family. Not people that Jonah was concerned about in the least. And so Jonah says no, and runs down to Joppa to the port, down to the ship to 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 take off across the sea to a place called Tarshish, and said, God, I, I don't I don't want that. And once on the ship, he goes down to the deepest part of the ship where Jonah doesn't obey. The wind and the sea and the storm do obey and cause this great storm that, that threatens to tear the ship apart. Uh, and so he gets pitched overboard down into the sea, swallowed by a great fish, and down to the deepest parts of the ocean, down to where it says to the base of the undersea mountains, to rock bottom. And it's there at that place he turns and regards the Lord and remembers the grace and the promises of God. And turns back to God, and again the obedient fish follows the prompting of God, and and turns Jonah into to, to fish vomit up on the up on the shore. Uh, and, and this and once again God says to Jonah, "Get up and go and preach the word to the city of Nineveh." This time Jonah has a different response. He says, "Okay, I don't want to go through that again. That was traumatic enough." This time Jonah goes and does what the prophets are known to do, goes to the city of Nineveh and preaches the word that God had given to him, to the city. Uh, For nine words, nine whole words in the the book of Jonah, Jonah is a prophet for nine words. Um, And something amazing happens. The city turns city repents the, from, from the greatest to the least, from the highest to the lowest. The people of the city of Nineveh are humble and teachable and repentant and turn from their wicked ways and say, God save us. And God does. <laughs> and last week we saw Jonah's reaction. He was really happy about all that God had did for... No, that's not what happened. He, had, he was angry. He encountered grief, this stubborn, recalcitrant recalcitrant prophet says, this is why I ran in the first place, because I knew you were gracious, I knew you were compassionate, and I knew this was going to happen, dang it, this is why I ran. Just kill me now, Jonah said last week. Today we get to finish off the book and see where, where Jonah takes us from, from this point out, okay? Um, turning to Jonah chapter 4, reading, uh, starting uh, in verse 4 and reading through the end of the chapter, verse 11. Out of respect for the reading of God's word, with those who are willing and able please stand as we read together? A reading from Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 4. The Lord responded, Is your anger a good thing? But Jonah went out from the city and sat down east of the city. There he made himself a hut and sat under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a shrub, and it grew over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. Jonah was very happy about the shrub. But God provided a worm the next day at dawn, and it attacked the shrub so that it died. Then as the sun rose, God provided a dry east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. He begged again that he might die, saying, it is better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Jonah said, yes, my anger is good, even to the point of death. But the Lord said, you pitied the shrub for which you didn't work and which you didn't raise. It grew in a night and perished in a night. Yet for my part, can't I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. There are some great stories out there. I don't know what you think of when you think of a great story, there's some fantastic ones. I like sports stories. One of the reasons I like Olympics is they do a great job of telling the stories of some of these athletes who've come long distances or going long ways to, to reach this point. Um, there's this old sports movie called Rudy. Anybody know the, the movie Rudy? Okay, yeah, this, this uh, football player that was a little... Shorter and a little lighter than most football players, but really wanted to play for Notre Dame, right? Spent two years kind of on the practice squad, I think, and eventually makes his way so he gets to dress down uh, and play a couple of of downs um, uh, on his senior year for for the University of Notre Dame. Um, What about the 1980 Olympic hockey team? Remember that, Lake Placid, California. The complete underdogs, this amateur college team up against... Uh, the Russian team. Uh, and there's a movie about that too. So movies are kind of the, the, the media or the, or the telling of stories these days um, that, that's kind of popular, at least that I like. There's other stories, literature stories, uh, novels that we read, um, classic, classic stories too. I think about, um, Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, tragic tragedy of a story, uh, and yet a great story, one that's timeless, one that, that people have told and retold over and over again. One of the videos in our van is Gnomeo and Juliet, the, the, uh, the yard gnomes, the porcelain gnomes do a Romeo and Juliet. Yes, I know. It's tragic. It's a tragedy. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah. Do you like it? I mean, I've seen Sherlock Holmes right. Do you like it? <laughs> good movie. Okay. There you go. A good movie based on a great story, right? Because it's timeless because so everyone knows it. Um, my, my wife thinks there's a lot of great stories out there. Just watch the Hallmark channel. Um, it's kind of the same story told over and over again. If you know the Hallmark <laughs> movie genre, um, but, but this word great shows up in the book of Jonah a lot. Uh, it, the word great shows up. It's the Hebrew word gadol, G-A-D-O-L, gadol. It starts in chapter 1, verse 2, where, where Nineveh is called the great city, the great city. In verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, a great wind, a great storm threatened to break apart the ship. In verse 17 of that first chapter, there's a great fish that comes to swallow Jonah. Uh, in, in chapter 4, it emerges again. Um, it says that, that Jonah was greatly thankful. It doesn't show up as the word great in our English text, but it's the same word in the Hebrew text, gadol. He was so grateful for this vine that showed up. And again, in verse 11, we see, we end where we started, that, that God calls the city of Nineveh that great city now forms of this word are used throughout the old testament clearly the writer here is using a literary device coming back to this word this word great because it becomes this anthem for the reader this this recurring word that shows up for this is a great story the story of Jonah, the story of God calling Jonah, and the story of God redeeming jonah 's effort and, and, and saving this city, is a great story. It's made great by a number a number of things, the most important of which has to be the turning of a great city to a great God in dramatic fashion. <laughs> but Jonah didn 't see it that way. Jonah is that stubborn prophet, that resistant prophet, that recalcitrant prophet. So he goes out on the hillside to pout. It doesn't say that in the Hebrew text. That's my interpretation. He goes out on the hillside um, to gather his thoughts, to reflect on what had happened, to see what what was going to happen to the city of Nineveh. I think he wanted a firework show. Was kind of the, the, the fireworks that kind of rained down on the city, he didn't want to see Nineveh saved. For he had just said, this is exactly why I ran away in the first place. There's one commentator that I read that, that said that this is clearly kind of out of, out of the chronology or, or achronistic, right? Out of order. That, that the, the proclamation that the city turned and that, that God had not followed through on his judgment with the city of Nineveh, should have come after this part of of Jonah's story. But you kind of pick up that Jonah is still expecting uh, this fail, expecting this train wreck, right? Awaiting the fireworks from heaven that would would fall down. Who does that? (laughs) Who sits and waits and hopes for the destruction of their enemies? Maybe more of us than we'd like to admit at times. What's interesting to me in this passage is the action that's attributed to God in this story. First, in response to to Jonah's little attitude problem, needing an adjustment, he simply asks this question, is your anger a good thing? Is your anger a good thing? A lot of of commentators kind of connect that to verse three and, and Jonah's response in verse three. Is your anger a good thing? I'll tell you that in my better parenting moments, I tend to ask more questions than than make more statements. It's good for me to ask questions. A lot of times I like to make snap judgments and be like, that was wrong, you shouldn't have done that, right? I'm better as a parent when I ask more questions. Is that what you wanted to say? (laughs) Is this the person that you want to be? Do you understand what you're doing and what it looks like right now? I think good parents, I think good leaders ask good questions. And this is a powerful question from Yahweh to Jonah. Is your anger, all this anger that you've got pent up and stored up for this city, is it a good thing? The second thing God does is he provides. In this section of scripture, this, this, this movement of God, it says he, he provides a shrub, certainly in the, in the Middle East, and out of the town with the lack of sunbreaks and and windbreak being exposed to the elements was was a tough a tough gig it's not it's not cool there it's not a nice place to to sit down and and wait for something to happen it's kind of like mountain home this year right <laughs> the last several weeks we've kind of been through a, through a a warm snap we're, th- we're thankful for air conditioning systems amen <laughs> This shrub, this plant that the text says that, that God provided was, was welcome relief. Using, again, that same word, it, Jonah was so thankful. It says he was greatly thankful. He was godly thankful that God had provided in this way. But then prov- God provides something else. It says God provided a worm. It says God provided a scorching east mountain home wind. To, to blow through the hut that Jonah had built. And he goes back to his death wish. He's like, I, I, I wish it wasn't here. I, I wish I could just die, he says. It just pushes him over the edge. We talked a little bit about that death wish last, last week, it was kind of self-centered, so, so self-centered, so self-absorbed uh, in the ways in which it was. God had done this great thing. A city had turned, and he says, I knew this was going to happen. I wish I wish I could just die. Honestly, it, although it's rare, the, the death wish is not unique to Jonah in the Old Testament. It's rare, but it's there. Job, the story of Job, we remember he had lost everything. He had lost his children. He had lost his property. He had lost his, his cattle and animals. Everything had been stripped away from Job. And he has this statement of, I, I wish I could... I could just good just die. Both prophets uh, Elijah and Jeremiah in 1st King face opposition and threat from, from the nation and from the king. And their response was similar. <laughs> What's unique about Jonah? It's following great success. <laughs> Jonah had great success. The repentance and the turning of a great city, the prophecy that he had delivered. Had made a difference. And he says, I just wish I didn't have to put up with this. I wish I didn't have to go on. And here again, after the shrub and after the worm, he makes the statement again. And again, God asks, Hey, Jonah, is anger really the right response here? Is anger the right way to go? <laughs> yes, of course it is, he says in a stubborn voice. It's here that we begin to see the brokenness in this person of Jonah. This, this sense of who Jonah is as this stubborn, reluctant prophet. <laughs> well, Yahweh dives in, dives into this conversation. This is where he begins to, to speak to Jonah. Instead of asking questions, he makes statements. Jonah, you're angered over the death of a plant. You pitied its demise. First of all, you didn't do anything to help it grow. I'm not great at helping things grow. I'm really miserable. <laughs> I can put in the effort and it doesn't grow. But Jonah didn't put any effort in at all. The, the plant just appeared. You were angered over the death of this plant. You pitied its demise. But take a look at the story of Jonah. Where was his pity for the sailors? in chapter 1. You know, the ones that were were pitching their cargo overboard to save the ship because they were afraid it would break apart. And he says, all you have to do is cast me into the sea and you'll be safe. He didn't jump. (laughs) He said, no, you got to pick me up and throw me. I'm not going to do that for you, but that'll solve your problem. Where was his compassion for the sailors? Where was his compassion for the city of Nineveh? And yet it becomes clear that Jonah was not concerned about the plant. He was concerned about the comfort that the plant brought. I won't worry about the sailors. I'm not too concerned about the 120,000 people of Nineveh. But this plant that brought me some shade and comfort, man, it's too bad that that's gone the same guy, the guy that made the sailors pitch him over the side who ran away from Nineveh and threw a fit when they listened to God and when God relented, says, I'm so angry this plant was taken away. I have a habit. I have a bad habit. Do you ever focus on the worst part of your day? <laughs> Do you ever let a, a, a trivial moment or a negative feeling or, or a thought or occurrence or a habit consume a much larger percentage of your attention and your bandwidth than it ought. That's my bad habit that I'm confessing today. I can, I can let one negative moment just kind of become the fly in the ointment, right? That, that one piece that kind of poisons my day. Maybe it's a grumpy person. Maybe it's a, a silly gaffe I made, a disgruntled neighbor, a chore, or a task that I had to cover that wasn't mine. Whatever it is, I see that in Jonah focusing on this destruction of the shrub. Right after a city had been saved, right after God had done his work, this man of God who had responded reluctantly to the call of God to preach the word to the city of Nineveh, It's been out of shape by this shrub. God has this way of bringing us back around. What is important here, Jonah? What about the people I called you to serve? What about them? For one moment, I want you to pause and consider these folks, these 120,000 folks. Yes, the sun is hot. Yes, it's beating down on your head, beginning to wilt you, probably sunburning the top of your head. But it's in these final verses of Jonah that we're invited to view this story from God's perspective and not Jonah's. And as we do, as we're invited into that space to see this story from a different perspective, to see this story from from God's perspective, the invitation for us is to look at our own stories through God's perspective and not our own. This prophetic book simply and abruptly ends in the, in the, in the midst of this cognitive dissonance, this, this question that kind of hangs in the balance. Yahweh asks the question of Jonah, and Jonah's silent. Jonah doesn't respond in his own book. He stays quiet with no answer for God, no answer for the question that Yahweh had given. We leave Jonah on that hill overlooking the city. He's waiting for the wrath of God to descend upon the city and that wrath never comes. And the reader is left in this giant gap. How is Jonah going to respond? Will he learn the lesson? And the implication of the writer, the, 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 the thing the writer is attempting to do becomes clear. The question is for you and for me. As the reader, Tim Green, the, the author of the commentary for Jonah, uh, in the in the New Beacon Bible uh, series of commentary, suggests that in the final chapter, the reader of the story becomes a character in this story, a character that has to answer with his or her own life. He says this: the reader becomes a character that quote must ultimately decide with which character it will identify. Will it stand with Jonah and pity that which protects it so that its very reason for existence becomes its own survival? Or will it stand with God and pity the community that lacks knowledge, even when that community is its greatest enemy and threatens the very survival of God's people? End quote. He points to Jesus' words and Mark as a as a guiding reminder. The, the commentator Green does. He says this and reminds us of Jesus' words. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. The invitation that God gives us is clear. Do you step into this story of Jonah and identify? with Jonah, identify with the people of Nineveh? Can we, can we as a people be concerned for the Ninevehs, the people of Nineveh in our lives? I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up as we close out this morning. As you think about Jonah, as you think about this week and the previous five weeks, how has Jonah pulled on you? How has Jonah pushed you, changed you how have the transformations that we find in this book surprised you or caught you off guard? I'd love to hear those stories. I got, I got an email last week about some, from someone about a question that I had posed in the sermon. I love it when people do that. I, I, it's fantastic. Uh, and just respond and ask questions. How has Jonah shaped you? In this past series, I would love to hear it. We started this morning talking about this great story, this Gadol story. For God had not abandoned this city that was set up against God's people, but He sent a prophet, a <laughs> stubborn, resistant, reluctant, recalcitrant, moody prophet. <laughs> but Jonah showed up. In the end, He did what He was sent to do and had great results. unfortunately at the end of the story he said this is so awful i want to die when god acts and gives you reason to pause and reflect asking what can i learn from this unexpected twist what can i what can i learn from the fact that god is so loving that he looked outside of israel to the people of nineveh and said these people need to hear this life-changing message How can we pause in that moment and ask, God, how do you want to shape me in this moment? And how do you wish to transform me? Or will I sit on the hill with Jonah (laughs) waiting for them to get what they deserve? I pray I take advantage of that chance to be transformed again by the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and we'll close out our service today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this this great story. Not not filled with perfect people who get it right all the time, but filled with very broken, very human people. The story of, of a God who loves us so much that he'll send people our way, even stubborn people, Lord, where I'm stubborn, would you would you pursue me like you pursued Jonah? Stay after me like you stayed after Jonah. Lord, where there's people that I've written off, people that I don't want to go to, people that I struggle to have compassion for, will you send me to those places, to those Ninevahs, to speak your word and to offer your hope and to tell your great story to them? I pray we would be a people that are willing to be shaped and transformed, and to call and to, to to be called and to go in our world, in our community. May it be so. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church The Nazarene Podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarine.org slash connect if you'd like to connect with us, and have a great week.